good morning, Taft. We're back in the building. At least this week we are. I'm, we're going to see how it goes and figure out wh where we're going to be on a week-to-week -week basis. But one thing you won't see today is you shouldn't see any cats. At least if we see cats today, if you post a cat emoji, then we got some issues going on because there shouldn't be any cats in the video today. Well, we're going to finish up this sermon series, The F Word. And again, before you send me an email, realize that the F stands for faith. And I was thinking and praying about how to finish this. I was, I was led to one chapter of the Bible. It's the first chapter of the New Testament book, James. And it's on a subject very timely for us as we are dealing with what we're dealing with in this world. You see, it talks about how to have faith in the face of trials. How you can maintain a vibrant faith during turbulent times. So let's jump in. It starts and says this. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So what's the biggest issue facing you? Face, facing anyone, really. What is it? Trouble, tough times, difficulties. Maybe you're out of work. Maybe your marriage is troubled. Maybe those tests came back from the hospital positive. Maybe you're a 25-year-old jogging down the road when you're gunned down at 2 miles, 2.23 miles and the cover-up that followed it. Maybe you're sheltering in place because of a virus. Life is real, and it comes at us hard and fast. So how do we respond? See, most of the time, we just get mad, or we get bitter, or we play the victim card, or we play the blame game. But James starts off his letter by giving us a radically different response. He says to consider it an opportunity for joy. Not joy itself. Don't misread him here. He's not saying that this is a joyful thing that is happening to you. He's not saying to put on a fake smile and to act like everything's fine. He's not saying that you should be happy about it. Don't confuse happiness and joy. See, happiness is based on the circumstances. It's driven by emotion. None of us are happy about COVID-19. Empty grocery stores, what's happening right now in our world and to our families, none of us are happy about that. But joy is deeper. See, joy is based on how you think about something, not how you feel about it. And James says you should have joy when challenges 
come your way. Why? Because, that, because of what they allow to happen, what those challenges allow to happen. So keep listening to what James says next. He says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, we can talk about faith all day long, but let's talk today about real faith. A deep, growing faith. Because when you face a challenge, a trial, a difficulty, you have a choice. You can either endure through that challenge or you can quit. If you endure, you will grow. You'll, you'll mature. You'll become something bigger, better, deeper, brighter, and stronger than what you started. That's the joy that comes through endurance. And James says you become perfect. Not in the sense of perfection, but in the sense of becoming who Jesus made you to be. And that only comes with trials. Joy comes from what God can accomplish in your life through those trials. In biology, they call it the adversity principle. Habitual, ongoing well-being is not good for a species. An existence without challenge is not healthy. We see it when you go to the zoo and you see flabby animals who get their meals taken to them every day and they don't have to work for anything. That's the adversity principle. It's no different with our lives. Our pain is often what develops us, what strengthens us, what allows us to grow. You tell me what has wounded you, what has challenged you, and I'll tell you what has made you and what has formed you into who you are today. But only if we let it. See, trials create a moment to either develop perseverance or to become a quitter on the sideline of life. A life in Christ, that means something is one, it's something that's chosen. Again and again, you're choosing to persevere. That's what James is talking about here. Trials bring your faith to the surface from testing and development in a way that nothing else can. Because in a trial, you either turn to God or you run away from Him. And if you turn to Him, then your faith will become higher and deeper than it ever was before. Now, it will be the hardest but the most glorious time in your life. You see, first comes the challenge, the trial. Then comes the opportunity 
to endure. Then if we choose to endure, we grow, we mature, we become who we were meant to be. Now, if we're honest and we ask ourselves, who can do that on your own? The answer is none of us can. But James gives us some spiritual street smarts here. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. See, James says, if you need help, if you don't know what you're going to do, if you don't see how you can possibly hang on, God stands ready to help you. He will meet any effort to endure for his sake with absolute, utter, complete generosity. It's okay to ask him for help. In fact, we're supposed to ask him for help. He wants us to come to him. You can stand, you can and you should go to God with your confusion, with your hurt, with your anxiety, with your weakness, with your sense of not knowing which way is up. You can be real with God. You can be authentic with God. You can be weak with God. God will give you what you need to endure. James says, of all the things we could ask for, there's one thing that's most important. And if we're honest, it may not be the first thing that enters into a lot of our minds when we face trials. When we face turbulent times or challenges, it's not what we first turn to. But James says, ask for wisdom. Wisdom to know how to persevere. How to endure the trying times. He will help you to make the right decisions. To know what to do and what not to do. He will give you what you most need. So if you find yourself in the midst of a challenge, in the midst of a trial or difficult times, and I think most of us are there right now, what greater thing could you ask for than wisdom? And if you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you. He will give you the, see, endurance is won or lost on whether you ask for wisdom and then whether you follow the wisdom that is provided. Because God's wisdom may not be our wisdom. 
when you think things through and you start to do a pro and a con list of what you should make a decision about in your life, we use our rational faculties, our natural wisdom. But James is saying to pray for supernatural wisdom. God's wisdom. And you may not want to obey His wisdom. You may not want to stay faithful. You may not want to be patient. You may not want to follow through because it's, it's hard and it's difficult. You may not know the wise thing to do, so ask God what it is. But James isn't finished with us. So you can't do it in some half-hearted, half-in, half-out kind of way. You have to come to God as God. You have to come to Him as plan A, not some other plan and a series of things that you're considering. It's not just one of the options. It's the only option. So think about that word picture that James gives here about a wave tossed in the sea. It's not a wave crashing onto the shore. It's a wave out in the open ocean that the wind hits and it goes here and there, whichever way the wind blows. You can't go to God one day and abandon Him the next. And when things don't work out there, then you go back to God. You have to decide either you're going to get through it with God or you're not. Either you're going to look to God and God alone, or you're not. You can yell at Him. You can cry to Him. You can shake your fist at Him. You can bury your head into His shoulder as you cry. But it's all to Him. Because He is your God. You have absolute confidence in His character. You've settled it in your mind. You've determined that there is nowhere else to turn. There's no one else to turn to than God. See, the word divided used here, in the original Greek, it literally means two souls. Meaning that a person's basic allegiance and faith isn't settled. It talks about that wave being unsettled, means it's restless, it's, it's fickle. It's not committed to one camp or the other. People that have never centered their lives on God are like that wave. When you approach God with that, with that disposition, James says that you're not approaching Him as God. Those people, James says, shouldn't expect to receive what God can give. Because they're not coming to God as God. They're coming as just one of many options. Their, their inner world is unstable. It's unanchored. The key for a lot of us, maybe even you, maybe wherever you are right now, maybe you're in the midst of what you're going through. No matter what it is, you've been hit hard. You've been dropped 
to one knee. You've turned to everyone else that you can, everything else that you can, but you can't get through it on your own. It's just not working. Can I make a suggestion for you? If you have been knocked down to one knee, put the other one down too. Put that other knee down. Take your challenge, your trouble, your trial to the only one who can help you get through it. Ask God to meet you in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of what you're going through, and he will be there. What James writes next almost seems like he's switching gears, like he's done talking about faith, but he's not if we pay attention to it. You see, he says this, believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. It looks like it's a transition here, but if we pay attention to it, he says, and those who are rich should not boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. Seems like it doesn't belong in the middle of James talking about faith. But you see what he's saying is, there are some, there are some people out there who will see the people going through tough times. And they will look at them as if they're being punished by God. As if their life isn't being blessed. And there are others who will look at those who are going through life without any problems. And they'll see them as somehow being favored by God as living the better life but you see James is trying to tell us something here he says instead of seeing the deeper truth that he wants us to see those who face the toughest of times are actually being given an opportunity for enormous life change depth of character a commitment to God an enlarged spiritual life like never before James is telling us that our wealth won't survive this world our money won't survive your house your land your clothes your jewelry even your iPhone won't survive this world none of it will make it out of this world only your soul only your character so don't get confused about what's really going on in this world God is in the soul making business and that is the only business that ultimately matters so don't envy the rich it's easy to do that but envy the poor don't envy the ones who are free from trouble. Look at the ones who are facing the dark night of their soul and they're barely hanging on to God by a thread. They're praying and just hoping that God will somehow get them through. 
envy them. Because God is calling them and he's right beside them. Let me give you an example of someone. Her name was Helen Roosevelt. She was a missionary in the First Republic of the Congo back in the 1960s at a time when there was a lot of turmoil. Hundreds of thousands of people were being killed and she was there, a missionary in the midst of that conflict, trying to bring the message of Christ. But it was there that she was savagely attacked, sexually assaulted, and beaten and left for death. She tells later that she never thought, why me, God? Be many of our first thoughts. For some reason, all she could think about is, what do you want me to do now, God? And she received a sense of God's leading, and that leading was something that she couldn't believe, but God said to do it, so she followed through. She went back to where she had been attacked and again began to care for them as a missionary. She brought them medical help. She brought them food. She decided to love them in order to forgive them. And those people, the very same people who had beaten her and attacked her, they couldn't believe that she would do that. And one by one, they began to listen to her tell about God. And one by one, they gave their life to Jesus. Years later, she says this. She says, I know this sounds really strange, but I want to tell you how I felt about it spiritually. I feel like God trusted me with that experience. He trusted me. They meant it for evil, but God used it for good. It wasn't good, but God used it for good. He trusted me with what happened and how I would respond and what I would do. He trusted her to endure. And that endurance made a difference, a, a huge difference, because she now stands in line for the greatest honor of all because this is what James adds next he says God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation afterward they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him so don't ever forget that this life is one great big test for the life to come in the end, if we endure, we will receive the only crown that matters, the only prize, the only possession that matters, the only award, the only honor that really counts, and that will be the honor of a crown from God. James adds one more thought. One, to make sure that we don't get any of this out of whack or that we somehow distort it theologically. You see, when you go through those dark times, when you're pursuing endurance, you're going to be tempted to not endure. You're going to be tempted to, to do a lot of non-God things, anti-God things, embarrassing to God things, to heck with God 
type of thing. You're going to want to give up. You're going to want to see your trial as an excuse to give up and to sin. And if you give in to that, you're going to look for somebody to blame. And you're not going to want to blame yourself. So the most likely candidate to blame is God himself. And it's at this point that James writes these words. He says, And remember... When you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from your own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. James is wanting us to see just like it's our choice to endure. Just like it's our choice to ask for wisdom. The choice to screw up and sin in the midst of it all. The, the choice to abandon God is ours too. And there's no excuse for it. God does not tempt us to sin. He may allow things in your life to challenge your faith, but he does not tempt you to sin. It begins with our desires, and those desires, if left unchecked, will lead to sin. It's a willful act, a conscious choice. And sin, if not owned, if not confessed, if not turned away from, it leads to death, spiritual it's why endurance is not just about the challenges. It's not just about the tough times and the troubles. It's about resisting the sin that can creep in when we're facing those challenges. You may want to fall flat on your face. You may fail in the midst of trying to endure. But don't blame it on God. Own it yourself. And then ask God to forgive you. Ask him to help you to get back on your feet and back into the race. Because endurance is a process. You may stumble. You may fall. But pick yourself back up and keep going. See, that's the life we're called to live. A life that meets trial with the knowledge that it can be met with endurance. And with the help of a father who is so eager to help us. So that no matter what it is that's happening in this world. No matter what it is that's happening in our lives. He will get us across that finish line. And he comes to us. Not because of our strength. He comes to us because of our need. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you today. I want to thank you that no matter what it is we're going through, you are there with us. That all we have to do is to ask you for wisdom and you will give it to us 
and you will help us to get to that finish line of life, to get through the tough times, to make it through everything, and to succeed and bring people to you. Thank you for faith. Thank you for helping us develop that faith. And thank you for everything that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.